0: Hey, gorgeous. Welcome back to the first episode of the second season of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon.
1: And I'm the other host, Angel.
0: And this is our twice monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending like it all makes sense.
1: Though it is starting to make more and more sense
0: every day. Yeah, we're making those cosmic connections and
1: trying to deliver them to y'all. Yeah, in a way that doesn't seem too woo-woo when all of it is incredibly woo-woo.
0: Yes, demystifying the mystical without watering it down.
1: Yeah, I like that. Okay, cool. We'll we'll go with that. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, we're out here living incredibly uh, spirit-driven lives even though we're navigating the mean streets of Los Angeles, which they is where we live. so mean sometimes. <laughs> they can be. And sometimes they make me mean back. Oh,
0: well, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I just want to share this really fast. I, oh. So I just spent the last two weeks up in Petaluma on an intensive with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. And one of the biggest teachings that came out of that, and I could do like 18 shows on it, but it was basically the idea that everyone is a reflection of you. So you are actually recording this podcast right now. And you are actually the person that's like checking you out at the grocery store. And I was really feeling that very deeply. And then my first day back in Los Angeles, I'm walking the dog and some black Mercedes literally couldn't wait for me to cross the street and just like went right in front of me. And immediately I was like, hey, hey, and then I said, Brandon, there you are running late for work. And it immediately <laughs> diffused all my rage and my anger. And so I just share that because hopefully when you are on the mean streets of whatever city you're on, when somebody does something that's totally unconscious, you can go, there I am when I'm just not woken up yet.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. I've, I've also heard you doing that, and I've been uh, taking it on myself. And it has been really helpful, actually.
0: It's very helpful because it immediately removes the judgment because mm-hmm. it's not someone outside of yourself it's you everything is yeah. you
1: well there you are my husband hosting a podcast there you are my husband hosting a podcast holy shit there it really works wow. <laughs> uh but really who who are you yeah who are my so husband?
0: we are husbands uh i'm brandon alter i'm a tarot reader and a tarot teacher um i'm also a
1: healer and i'm a
0: writer and i'm a performer
1: lovely and I am Angel Lopez, and I am a, also a writer and a producer of films. And I am an astrologer, and I love it. And we're going to
0: be getting into some astrology later in the episode. I know, it's going to be a deep dive into Jupiter.
1: Yeah. Hey, Jupiter, it's your turn.
0: Who you can see right now in the night sky, mm-hmm. especially because the moon is rising later and later. Right. And so there's no competition, and you can see that bright star, Jupiter. She's beautiful.
1: Yeah, and I was also realizing that if you have been listening to us, uh, you know, we are entering our second year, as Brandon said, Uh, one of our very first episodes, if not our very first episode, was about Jupiter. It was about Jupiter in Scorpio. And now we have Jupiter going through Sagittarius, uh, and we didn't really talk about Jupiter as a whole, uh, or at least in that much detail, because we basically were just covering the transit of Jupiter through Scorpio, but now we're in a whole new sign and we're going to just give you a full rundown. Of that big-ass beast in the sky. Jupiter, an unauthorized biography. (laughs) Exactly. Starring Jennifer Lopez.
0: Oh, as Jupiter? (laughs) Okay.
1: I mean, she is abundant as fuck. I
0: mean, she wasn't my first choice, but she was available on the dates we were filming,
1: so I'll take it. I mean, she's a fantastic actress. I'll fight you for that.
0: I'm not saying she's not a fantastic actress. I just don't think she's right for the part, but it's fine. She's transformational. She's
1: abundant. She's full of light. She brings joy everywhere she goes as far as I'm concerned. But I also just recently saw Jennifer Lopez in concert and it was one of the greatest live performances I've ever seen. She is
0: the best looking 50 year old I have ever seen in my entire life. So She's still
1: 49. How dare you? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> But she's about to be 50. Somewhere, Jennifer Lopez just felt like a sharp pain in her neck. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) She was doing stretches. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But, anyhow, as we always like to do, uh, we want to give ourselves a little bit of a check in first, babe. So, how are you doing? You did just return from a pretty large transformational experience, it seems.
0: Yeah. So, I'm going to pitch the Foundation for Shamanic Studies wherever in the world you are. So, are not a sponsor no, I'm no i am not a i'm not a they're not a sponsor nobody's a sponsor for us um except for spirit and they are the largest global organization that teaches shamanic skills And it was created by this guy named Michael Harner, and he was an anthropologist. And about 30 years ago, he created the foundation because he was doing very intense studies with all sorts of different um, shamanic cultures in South America, in North America, in Siberia, in Africa. And what he was looking for were the common practices that all of these cultures were engaging in. And he found that there was an incredible amount of overlap. So what the foundation teaches is what's called core shamanism. And so if you are somebody who's very careful around appropriation, as I am, this is a really safe place to go and learn skills that are inherent birthrights to all people because it's core shamanism. It's not connected to any particular culture. It is the through line, the commonality. And they have weekend workshops, and then they also have the two-week intensive, which I just completed, and they also have a three-year program, which I'm definitely going to do when it starts in October of 2020. But it was hands down for me personally the most transformational experience i've ever had in my life it brought me so much closer to who i really am and I went in thinking like, I'm going in and I'm going to learn all these skills so that I can grow my practice and give so much back to the community. And if I get some personal healing out of it, like, that's great, but I'm not really here for my own personal healing. I'm pretty much healed. And wow, was it the opposite. (laughs) I bet. I was like, I am not healed at all. And that's not true. Like, I've done a lot of work on emotional healing, but on a deeper spiritual level, I... Was definitely like telling myself some sweet bedtime stories that were in no way the truth of what was really going on. And so I got a lot of my soul parts back, which is an episode I want to have separately, which is just all about soul loss and soul retrieval and what that means and how we can do it. So maybe our next deep dive will be about that. Cool. And I got a lot of beautiful healings. And I also got to spend two weeks with 33 amazing people who are also interested in shamanic practice. And it became like a little village. And I realized how hungry I am, and I imagine you are hungry for this as well, anyone that's listening, for your tribe and for this daily reflection and to not feel like you are so alone in your life, which is what contemporary society has made us feel. And so it was so beautiful and it was hard and it was challenging and it pushed me and I cried a lot, but it was also gorgeous and I ate amazing meals and there were cute deer and sheep and hawks and snakes and rabbits and giant crystals and labyrinths and the woods and i sprained my ankle on the second day and had to go to the emergency room in petaluma but the nurse loved my pedicure and the doctor had delivered the baby of the guy that ran the retreat center and there was nothing wrong in the x-ray and like literally four days later i was putting weight on my ankle again and that is the power of shamanic healing and it was wild and now i'm back and i feel like a little baby in the world and what can i say
1: and I can watch this series on Netflix? Yeah, it's coming out soon. It's actually starring Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> I mean, it sounds fantastic. <laughs>
0: I'll be processing it for years to come.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you yeah, came up against a lot of really powerful awakenings. What would you say was the most powerful and personal awakening that you had? that you feel comfortable sharing? The most powerful and personal awakening. I mean, the most
0: powerful and personal awakening for me was just how much I had given up on myself and on my dreams at some point in my 20s and how I had been using marijuana to make myself feel like it was okay that I'd given up on my dreams when the fact is my soul and my warriorship and my inner poet and mystic had just completely left me because they'd almost like given up on my ability to do what I came here to do. Mm. And so I'm back, I'm sober, and I'm here to give my soul's purpose 100% for the first time in my life. And I'm really excited to see how that's gonna change my life. Because the thing I realized is there are only two directions, y'all. You are either moving towards alignment or you're moving away from it. And there's no way to do both of those things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I was moving away from alignment and telling myself that I was moving towards alignment. But now I'm actually moving towards alignment. I'm moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. And that's a direction I haven't been moving in for a really long time. And I'm excited to see how the outer picturing of my life is going to shift because the inner picturing of my life has never
1: shifted more profoundly. That's amazing. And I think what's great about shamanism, astrology, tarot, everything that we talk about and study ultimately are tools to help you figure out who you need to be, where you need to be, how you need to be practicing in order to achieve your own personal alignment. But it does seem at the end of the day like staring yourself in the eye in a way that forces you to be honest with yourself is really what gets you Onto that path.
0: And also, that you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. The spirits are real. I had many experiences that confirmed for me more profoundly than ever before in my life. And I was a believer to begin with, but now it's like hardcore. And I don't have to do this alone. And I feel yeah. so much stronger because I know I have the invisible support of my helping and healing spirits and my ancestral helping and healing spirits. And I have more of myself, I have more of my essence than I've ever had before. Except when maybe I was like four. So it's never been easier because I have everything I need. Right. So that's my (laughs) check-in. I feel like I should be smoking a cigarette if I still smoked cigarettes. Well,
1: I'm glad you don't. No, me too. But you can smoke your imaginary cigarettes that I know you've talked about. Girl, you know I smoke those imaginary cigarettes all the damn time. (laughs) Now they're imaginary joints. I know they are gonna be I'm gonna have to roll imaginary joints. (laughs) I'm sure they'll work. Well, I'm really proud of you, babe, that you've come and embraced this next chapter in such a strong way. It's really amazing and inspiring for me to see. Oh, well, you inspire me, babe. I mean, you put down the bottle at the beginning of the year. You've been like doing it in a major way. I have. Because, yeah, for myself, I felt like that was part of my journey toward leveling up. Um, and I definitely feel like that's what's going down. Yeah. What's uh,
0: what's your check-in? What's going on with you?
1: Well, uh, I can certainly relate to what you're saying about, well, as I just tell myself, magic is real. <laughs> and I try to just tell myself that every day, numerous times a day. And I'm... Beginning to realize the more I tell myself that, the more these fantastical situations uh, or circumstances show up for myself. Um, And, you know, I think we always talk about even just, you know, what's your daily practice? Uh, You know, for us both, we pull cards around our daily practice. And so even just something for me along the lines of, well, I have these uh, the Kim Kranz animal spirit, the Wild Unknown animal spirit uh, deck, which I really love pulling every morning. But I haven't been pulling it every morning this past week. Uh, but the funny thing is that I pulled it pulled a card three times this week, and every single time it was the same card what was it <laughs> it was the bat oh so which you already have a shamanic relationship with exactly and i had already been feeling like this week was going to be a pretty transformational one because there were astrologically speaking there was a lot going on mars and mercury were meeting up in the sky in cancer it Uh, The two of them were opposing Saturn and Pluto in Capricorn, so for everyone who's listening and if you know your astrology chart or have access to it, whatever areas, whatever houses, I should just say, uh, you have Cancer and Capricorn in, uh, there is just this massive energetic sort of oppositional push and pull going on for you in those areas. They are major keys to the massive transformation that is at play for you right now. And everyone is having some sort of shift in their life right now. And so for me, the way I really translated that was, it's time to be walking your talk, you know, walk, Mars, talk, Mercury. So the ability to align those two in such a in such a real way, you know, and I don't think I'd been doing that for for (laughs) forever. I think I was really good on some level at talking, but not always aligning it or not, I should say, not always committing to it, um, you know, on a substantial basis. And so this past week, I really pushed myself to do that. But bat it shows up to signify the ending of a chapter, The closing of a door. It comes swiftly, encouraging us to move on. In just a few hours, a new day dawns so there is no more lingering in the past. And that honestly pretty much sums up my week (laughs) on a lot of levels. And I am just now approaching, I think, every day with that sense of What needs to come can come, and what needs to go can go. And that's been a huge mantra for me every morning in my meditation and sort of daily prayer for myself.
0: Well, what perfect timing, because here comes eclipse season, and eclipse season is literally taking those things away that you've had trouble releasing and bringing in those things that you've been praying for.
1: Yes. So you all may remember from a while back, if you have been listening, that I had challenged Brandon to Marie Kondo the house.
0: Oh, well, we finally finished books.
1: We did finish books. So now we're ready to move on to the next chapter. What's and I'm very next, excited. What's the next chapter? What's next? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to look at the book. Okay. <laughs> but whatever it is, I think we can handle it. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, me too. I'm excited for it. So on onwards and upwards, Honeyboo. Onwards and inwards, anybody? Yeah, Yeah. For all of you out there, I think it's just an important time to be really paying attention to where's the shift trying to happen and how can you pay attention in a way that helps you manifest it. So that's me. That's where I'm at. Amazing. Pretty transformative times. It is. All right. Should we lighten the load a little bit? Yeah. Let's lighten <laughs> the
0: damn load with some Lisa Rinna, please. Oh. I'm here for it. I've never needed her more. I went to shaman school and I came back and I've never loved The Housewives more. So you can't have (laughs) your cake and eat it too, everybody. Totally. So, all right, gazers, it's time for this episode's Dose of Reality. reality. So should we start with The Beverly Hills Housewives since I just talked about Lisa Rinna? Of
1: course. So, you
0: know, they're in France and Camille couldn't come and Denise Richards couldn't come because their houses were in danger from the fires, if you remember those California fires that happened last year. And poor Camille, she actually lost most of her home because of the fire. But Denise Richards did not lose her home, even though it was covered in soot. Mm -hmm. So we've got the five ladies in France. They're somewhere in Provence. They're staying at a gorgeous chateau. They are. And so we've got Kyle Richards, Teddy Mellencamp, Eric Jane, Lisa Rinna, and (laughs) Dorit. DK. And... They are trying to prove that they can make this show happen without Lisa Vanderpump, which they totally can, but they are creating drama that doesn't need to be created, and Kyle Richards, who I usually feel is like the most flawless of the housewives, made me a little disappointed because you could see her trying to stir the pot just to make things relevant because Lisa Rinna dressed up as Erica Jane for Halloween and in her Erica Jane persona because when Lisa Rinna commits she commits
1: she overcommits
0: so she as Erica Jane had an altercation with Kim Richards where she was trying to clear the air around something that happened like 2 or 3 years ago And they were trying to insinuate that Erica Jane should be offended by Lisa Rinna's portrayal of Erica Jane, but Erica Jane is a fictional character to begin with. And so Erica Jane was like, I'm not upset by it. I actually was quite flattered. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, even in like a talking head, she said, like, when somebody dresses up like you for Halloween, it means you've made it. Right, exactly. (laughs) So if anybody wants to dress up as the spiritual case for Halloween, (laughs) we're totally here for it. We'll cry. Uh so that was a little frustrating, and I love the girls of Beverly Hills, but I'm excited for next season when they bring in some new fresh blood to kind of shake things up because it's yeah. really needed
1: or bring in some old blood like Brandy Glanville. yeah, I think that could really happen that would be fabulous, but it also would be interesting.
0: Rick and I, our friend Rick, it's his birthday, he's a cancer, we were talking last night and he was like, I just need a really, really, really rich bitch to come on the show. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, that is what I need to because The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was such a successful franchise because it was the first franchise where ever, at the beginning, everyone was like richer than the goddess. Right. And you got to have this, what was that show, like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Mm-hmm. It was like that, like peek behind the curtain, see how all these really rich people live and how they're still just as like empty and striving as ever everybody else and now it's not that some of them aren't wealthy but like we need a really rich bitch to come on the show
1: well and just their interpersonal relationship dynamics have gotten a little too much and a little too rehearsed yeah and for a bunch of women who are technically like actresses by trade yeah yeah most of them um you you can really sort of feel them acting a bit too much at times but um But it was funny because I did see this meme that said something along the lines of, like, gay culture is watching uh, the Beverly Hills housewives all try to get along and be civil with each other and saying, this is so boring. But watching the Real Housewives of New York, like, all combust and, like, having nervous breakdowns and being like, this is major television. It's legendary and iconic.
0: Well, because I was like, that is
1: gay culture.
0: (laughs) Because the Housewives of New York City are willingly allowing themselves to be vulnerable and hot messes in front of the cameras. Whereas yeah. the Beverly Hills housewives are always aware that they're self-producing and trying to and trying to create a pretty picture for the cameras.
1: Yeah, and so when they let the cracks show, then that's when it suddenly starts to you know, they're scattering to try and pull it all back together. Yeah. Whereas New York is like, Well, there's the broken pieces on the floor. Let's <laughs> just step all over them. Oh, it's <laughs> so amazing
0: to watch. New York is legendary right now.
1: It is legendary.
0: Bethany yeah. Frankel should be the first reality television actress to be nominated for an Emmy for her performance. <laughs> <laughs> the way she broke down at that table at Barton G's in Miami and called the Countess Luanne de Lesseps insufferable was incredible.
1: Yeah, if you've never watched these shows ever and have no interest in them, I still recommend searching out that scene. Oh my goddess. Just to see really what a Scorpio is capable of Oh. Man. <laughs> when pushed to the limit. So true.
0: <laughs> and then to see what a Taurus is capable of, because Luanda Lesseps will not budge. She is so unaware of how self-absorbed
1: and narcissistic she is. Oh, completely. And it's so interesting if you think about, you know, I've always learned with like the, because they are polar opposite signs and the whole concept of polar opposite or the idea around them is that, you know, it's that's the, the most major love-hate relationship. And the two of them completely have this love-hate relationship yeah like you've never seen before yeah it's amazing because the idea is is that you need the opposite
0: you have to heal through the opposite so you can't just be a scorpio you need to also find what is torn about you Mm -hmm. and vice versa
1: and that's why they'll probably stay friends forever maybe who knows I mean, (laughs) who knows i will say too that uh potomac has been coming up for me everyone keeps telling me that It's really the one that we should be watching.
0: Everyone's telling me I got to watch Vanderpump Rules from the beginning. It's on Netflix. I know. I said, I hate Lisa Vanderpump. I can't watch it. And they go, she's just there for local color. Don't worry. It's not about
1: her. Well, we don't need to talk about her when we have more important things to discuss, like the largest planet in our solar system.
0: So here we go, everybody. Put on your scuba suits. It's time for this episode's Deep Deep Dive! Dive.
1: So, honey, who's Jupiter? (laughs) Hey, Jupiter. What's she do? But Jupiter is, yes, you know, astronomically speaking, the largest planet in our solar system. So the energy coming off that beast is like none other. Which is probably why it is known astrologically as the planet that rules abundance, prosperity, uh, you know, as well as just like personal growth and expansion, Because it is, obviously, too, the most expansive planet that we have. I always say, when I look at a chart, that it is the guardian angel of your chart. Oh, I love that. Yeah, wherever it is, it's sort of like your little good luck charm. Uh, Because, at the end of the day, Jupiter is related to the Hindu god Ganesh, Mm. who is the remover of obstacles. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. So, I do believe that Jupiter on some level is there to help remove some obstacles and get us through tough times. So, when we look for Jupiter in our chart, you know, we're really looking at a place where we can gain more personal knowledge about ourselves through that area we can learn to utilize that area of our lives in a way that is personally expansive in a way that's you know allows us to express positivity and prosperity into the world it is connected to the sign Sagittarius which we always say is the truth seeker So if you think about that, or if you think about it in those terms, Jupiter, where it is in your chart, is on some level where you're looking to gain truth around yourself, you know, where you want to uncover the greatest truth. So for myself, I have Jupiter in my first house. So for me, that really makes me an incredible truth seeker of self. I'm always constantly... uh, Self analyzing, uh, looking into different forms of religion and and all you know all types of study to try and better myself, expand myself as a as a person in the world. Uh, and Jupiter is really connected as well to religion, travel, you know, all types of things that allow you to go out into the world and understand yourself better and exp- uh, expand. Uh, your perception of self. Where do you have Jupiter in your chart? I have it
0: in Aquarius in the 11th. Oh. So I'm not looking for the personal truth. I'm looking for the collective truth. Totally. Which is why I'm so interested in like groups Mm -hmm. and communities and wanting to find the truth. Like what's true for like the gay community? What's true for the spiritual community? What's true for the artistic community? What's true for the environmentalist community? Which is very interesting.
1: completely. And I have it in Taurus in that first house. So for me, in a way, I think that does connect to the fact that I tend to self-analyze through my connection to art, beauty, you know, things that are tangible, but also has a connection to self-worth and self-value, that I am constantly trying to attain greater self-value
0: And Jupiter in Taurus in the first would also suggest that you could be making a lot of money abundance through being yourself. Go on. That's it. Put the (laughs) period at the end of the sentence. So make that cheddar, honey. I'm here, everybody.
1: (laughs) Write me a check. (laughs) I'll take it. But ultimately, I do think Jupiter is just a wonderful way into, you know, how can I be my best self? You know, what area of my life... Allows me to bring my best self to the table, you know. So for you having that in your eleventh house, it is in your work with community groups where your best self can ultimately emerge. I think on some level there is that sense of Jupiter being a teacher, even as well for sure, because it's it's connected to Sagittarius. Yeah, which is our house is
0: the philosopher,
1: which is the teacher. Exactly. If you look at it that way as well. That if depending on what house it's in and the sign that it's associated with, there is something too uh, connected to, you know, what kind of teacher are you? And it's a good time to be talking about Jupiter because we're a little more than halfway into this current Jupiter through Sagittarius transit that we're having right now. And as we've said, Jupiter's home is Sagittarius. They go hand in hand. So
0: she's come back home for the first time in what, like 12 years?
1: Yeah, it's about 12 and a half, 13 years. For her
0: to make it all the way around the Zodiac.
1: Exactly. And I always think it's really, really fascinating to you know, always utilize astrology as a way to look at the cycles of your life. So, you know, here we are in 2019 in the midst of Jupiter through Sag. So to look back at, you know, what was life like in 2006, 2007, when we were at this same place, what's going on for you right now that mirrors what was going on for you then? Were there similar lessons in a certain area of your life, or even if, you know, now it's appearing more in your career world, but then it was in your relationship world. But if you could really step back and look at them more objectively, see that the same lessons were trying to express themselves, it's really a good time to know that you have the ability to level up in a certain way and take this Jupiter-expansive prosperity filled energy and use it for your advantage in that place yeah it's an invitation for expansion exactly um so i know for myself in 2006 2007 i completely expanded if i think about it on a more specific level it was around work and such but ultimately it was myself it was really myself growing up and learning how to do that and it kind of goes through my seventh and eighth house. So it is very much about sort of like what other my relationships with others are teaching me about myself and how I'm taking that to sort of then express it with others and share it with others. And I definitely saw myself having to sort of be pushed out into the world in a more meaningful way. And I feel like that's happening for me right now again.
0: Coming out that cosmic birth canal.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think really interesting for everyone to think back to for, to 2006, 2007 and Get a sense of, well, what's going on for me now that mirrors some of that? And am I able to, you know, sort of take that? And hopefully it was something, there was something, you know, around abundance, around prosperity, around like personal growth and expanding yourself to another plane, so to speak, uh, because that is the similar energy that's going on, you know, when you have Jupiter and Sagittarius. I mean, the idea is that you're expanding almost like double time, you know, because they're amplifying each other, you know? We're we're getting the personal truths exposed. And, you know, the thing with Jupiter is that because it is expansive, it's not always going to just blow up the good things in your life. It's you going to blow up everything. It's going to blow up everything. You know, there's that saying, uh, you can never have too much of a good thing, but... Maybe you can. Well, the idea being, though, the you know, well, well, something that tastes really good or feels really good might not ultimately be really good for you. So you have to go into Jupiter and Sagittarius sometimes from a place of, well, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to get more and more of the that good thing. And then probably halfway through you realize, oh, that good thing's kind of a bad thing for me. So that's Jupiter's lesson. That's how he teaches is, you know, well, I just need to expose you to this thing that you're really taking a little bit of advantage of so that you can have a more sort of responsible relationship with it so that you can actually just expand on the inside as opposed to on the outside because that's another thing about jupiter y'all especially coming from someone who has jupiter in the first house you know the first house represents even just how you come across to the world so let me tell you if you have that jupiter in the first house it can sometimes make you just physically expand And I've certainly dealt with that myself.
0: Not just your personality.
1: No, bish. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about your hips.
0: The other thing I want to mention about Jupiter, because I just haven't heard you use this word, and it's a word that I associate with Jupiter a lot, which is the word luck. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Jupiter is the lucky planet. Yeah. So wherever Jupiter is in your chart signifies where you have a lot of luck. And I think that's important to think about.
1: Yeah, the way I've read it before, it's, you know, to think about it that, yeah, the well's not going to ever dry up completely. Mm, I love that. You know, yeah, that there's always going to be a drop in the bucket that'll get you through,
0: you know. So why don't we go ahead and take a tour around the Zodiac and give people a sense of what Jupiter might mean as it exists in both the sign and the house that corresponds to it. I think that's great. Okay, cool. So we'll start with Jupiter in Aries or Jupiter in the first house.
1: Jupiter in the first house, as I was saying, given that I have it, I think there is something around personality. Like a big personality. A big personality. I always say if you have Jupiter in the first house, it's like you you can always charm your way through anything. Totally. And people perceive you as lucky too.
0: People yeah. want to be around you because they feel like you are a bringer of luck into the world. Yeah. And
1: I think one word we haven't used is optimism. And I feel as someone who has Jupiter in the first house, there is just a general optimism that i have and uh, you know let's be real i've like been to like some dark depths she really has it. <laughs> yes i have and uh yeah i get really fucking depressed and even though when i've gotten to like those places where it's like so dark so sad i always feel like there's that pinprick of light that shows up and i'm like all right i see you and everything's gonna work out and i feel like that's my jupiter you know, because that light will, will get bigger and bigger, like so much more quickly for me than I feel like if I didn't have that there. So I, that's how I perceive that sort of good luck charm, that guardian, you know, who's there for me um, in that first house. There's just like an optim a, an optimism that wants to just express through me, and I do think that I am a pretty sort of buoyant, optimistic person. Um, even if I'm not in a good place, I can kind of like turn it on. And actually be living it pretty quickly.
0: And Jupiter and Aries specifically?
1: Well, I think Jupiter and Aries is... Talk about an abundance of energy, right? Mm, Sure. An an abundance of motivation. Let's, you know, charge. The Energizer (laughs) Bunny. Yeah, and depending on, you know, what area of life that's in for you, you know, like a Jupiter and Aries in the fifth house is going to have like creative inspiration every day, you know, a Jupiter and Aries in the sixth house is gonna hit the ground running every day, you know, is gonna have real success around creating a strong routine for themselves, you know, whereas Jupiter and Aries in the seventh house, well, might have a lot of, Relationships. Relationships. Jump from one to the other. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's be real. People want the tea.
1: Yeah. But then when they can actually like focus and settle down with someone who is compatible, then they're like the most passionate, like exciting partner to have. I mean, Jupiter and Aries in the eighth house. Honey, it's sex 24 seven. Good for you. Enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Moving right along.
0: We got a lot of signs and houses to get through. So Jupiter in the second house.
1: Jupiter in the second house. Well, how would you perceive that?
0: Well, the second house is the house of value. Mm -hmm. So it is that you like have tremendous integrity and you have an expansion of your own values and that you're probably somebody that presents in that way in the world. And people go, that's somebody with a lot of integrity. They can Mm -hmm. feel that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Jupiter in Taurus, which is related to the second house... Is an abundance of like physical things. So like you probably have a lot of possessions and you have a lot of beautiful things. Um, you probably have a lot of money or you are able to make a lot of money and you're also able to like grow things. I mean, Taurus is springtime. Taurus is when things are coming out of the ground. So I would say Jupiter and Taurus is also like a green thumb
1: mm-hmm. and your ability
0: to nurture and to grow things in the world, whether that's physical or otherwise.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I think with Jupiter and Taurus, it's like an ability to grow your self-confidence. You know, that there is just that natural connection to self-confidence, self-worth that's available to you. Your own value. Yeah. And I also do believe like when I see someone with a Jupiter in the second house, that's where I'm specifically like, you're never going to go hungry. There's always a fallback. You know, there's always a hand that shows up, you know, it's like that. That traditional Ace of uh, Cups. Cups, yeah. Just like here's- the hand comes through, yeah, with something. It's like, here you go. Here's a little cash. Totally. You know? It's like, well, that's probably Ace of Disks. Ace of Pentacles, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I feel like there is always that element for a Jupiter in second house. So even if you have Jupiter transiting through your second house, that's always going to be a year where your bank account can expand. So y'all who have Jupiter ruling uh, or Sagittarius ruling your second house, This should be a really good year for you. Take advantage of it. Jupiter in the third slash Gemini. Uh, Talk about a talker, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But really someone who is a writer, who is a communicator, who really searches for the truth through their writing. I mean, that's like a strong investigative reporter, you know, is there. Like, I want to seek the truth through my communication. Someone who's a really good listener, too, I would imagine, is is there for you, too. And in Gemini, someone who can be a really great friend, too, who cherishes their friendships and is connected to that. But I would say, too, because we're also talking about the abundance of it, the prosperity of it, there's an abundance of even just like optimism in the brain, you know, in your communication style, like you can inspire people to rise up through using that sort of Jupiter in the third house energy. An abundance of
0: ideas. I mean, I imagine that somebody who has Jupiter in Gemini like never runs out of things to talk about. Completely, like you yeah. want to sit next to them on a long plane ride,
1: <laughs> or maybe you don't. Right, like I just going to say, fly. depending on the mood you're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Jupiter in the third house is a really great placement to have for someone who, or even just like a a, a place for a transit for someone who really wants to, you know, sit down and like write a novel.
0: Yeah, or a bunch of novels, because to me, I feel like that's somebody who's really prolific. So Mm -hmm. I'd almost be interested to look at some writers that just like, you know, put something out almost every year. And do they have Jupiter in the third or in Mm -hmm. Gemini? Because again, it's like there's never, the well is never dry there. There's always another story to tell.
1: Yeah, completely.
0: And then moving on. So Jupiter in the fourth house or
1: in Cancer, how does that present? I think Jupiter in the fourth house is on the surface of it, someone who probably came from a good sort of home and family life. Oh yeah. Totally. You know, it offers that opportunity for someone who was nurtured (laughs) in a, in a positive way and who also really needs that abundance of like connection to home, to family. And if they weren't, you know, just born into that i think it becomes important to them as they grow older in life to have a real familial element to everywhere they go so even probably like a jupiter in the fourth is someone who makes their work environment feel like a home to them or makes everyone on some level even just feel at home Hmm. wherever they go
0: i love that because again we think of cancer as the crab that takes its home with it wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. So wherever you go, you make it feel like home and everybody else gets the benefit of that. Exactly. That's beautiful.
1: And I think something too about having just Jupiter in Cancer is, you know, depending on where what house that's in for you, if you think about it, there's like a real abundance of intuition there. Totally. So someone who can be like really tapped in to that unconscious source for themselves. So it gives you a real connection to even just trust in your intuitive, you know, gut responses to things, whether it be in your 5th house of creativity or your 10th house of career, you know, that there is almost this sort of intuit intuition driven uh, path for you in that area of
0: life i would even say any of the water signs mm. so jupiter and mm-hmm. cancer scorpio or pisces yeah is an abundance of intuitive ability
1: totally so moving
0: right along jupiter and leo in the fifth house
1: talk about creativity abundance right yeah Like, you're just bursting with the need to express yourself in some way. I feel like if you have nothing else in Leo, but you have
0: Jupiter in Leo, people are probably like,
1: that bitch is a Leo. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Bursting with Leo flavor. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think there's just real luck and abundance around your creative projects and the need to expand yourself through your creativity. And obviously, too, the fifth house does rule children and the connection to children so on some level the idea of needing to either inspire children have a lot of children you're fertile as hell yeah you're fertile as hell uh but really even on some level able to express your inner child self and have that be a source of income for you is really valuable and interesting, I think.
0: And I want to remind people that Leo isn't just the star of the show, but Leo is also connected to the heart. Mm -hmm. And so Jupiter in the fifth house or Jupiter in Leo is an abundance of heart. And these are people that probably have really big hearts and they feel really deeply and they can also use those big hearts to take care of large situations and kind of share that in places where there isn't as much heart.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, think of
0: Leo as connected to the sun as we think of Cancer as connected to the moon. So there's this ability to shine a lot of light. There's a lot of clarity. There's a lot of illumination that can happen if you do have that Jupiter in Leo or in the fifth house. And that's also what creativity is for, right? Like we use, art to inspire and illuminate those things that are murky in the day-to-day but when you see it in a movie or you read it in a novel all of a sudden you understand the deeper levels of it
1: yeah so it really comes down to just trusting your your connection to your creative source and just putting it out there in a big way and your heart yes exactly and aligning your heart with your creativity allowing your heart to, to wear your you know creative heart on your sleeve
0: and then moving right along, Jupiter in Virgo or Jupiter in the sixth house?
1: Uh, well, it's kind of mentioned earlier, just the uh, brief Jupiter in the sixth. But I think uh, something about needing to have real luck around a routine, you know, that you do well with a routine. It also Some, sounds like discipline. Yeah, that's a great word to use. Like I'd Jupiter
0: say. in Virgo sounds like you have discipline until the cows come home.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, as we were talking about, it's too much of a good thing that you have to be careful not to over-discipline yourself to the point where you're rigid, you know, and having to sort of break break down that barrier for yourself if you do. So true. Um, But also, you know, there's gr- a great expression of Jupiter in the sixth house can be, if you allow it, Uh, a really great connection to health and fitness and really taking care of yourself because that's, you know, that's that high vibe version of it. But on the low vibe, I mean, Jupiter and six can kind of, as I mentioned with the first house can kind of just grow and grow and grow on a physical level. Mm. If you're not careful because Jupiter also is connected to abundance and you know, there's like a luxury element to it, even to some degree you know, you can, Jupiter can be a little lazy, which we haven't mentioned. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, if you allow it to be, because it's just like, everything's working out. I don't have to work too hard. So the good thing about having Jupiter in the sixth is that it can push you to work harder to, if you love what you're doing, but, you know, at the same time, you can get so into the routine that you maybe get a little lazy with it. So, you know, you have to put, you know, that Virgo element is definitely going to always push you to be better and better, but to just have like a Jupiter in the sixth, sometimes, I'd say, you know, be careful that you don't plateau, that you are, you know, paying attention to that at times, and if you feel a little stuck or stagnant that, you know, that's just some of that Jupiter-ness, but if you... Go out of your way to then build a new routine, then there you go. A whole new, you're setting a whole new level of luck, abundance, and prosperity in that routine as well.
0: Well, remember that Virgo is all about alignment. So mm. you want to make sure that the routine is still in alignment with who you are. It's not yeah. just this stale routine that's in alignment with who you were. Yep. And Virgos are the healers of the zodiac. So there's also an element of Jupiter in the sixth or particularly Jupiter in Virgo means that you have a lot of luck around healing work and that you probably should be stepping into that in some way, even if it's not traditional spiritual healing, but whatever you do has an element of healing to it. Yes. So to embrace that, that your presence even in and of itself is a healing.
1: All mm-hmm. All right. Jupiter in the seventh or Jupiter in Libra?
0: So definitely an abundance of relationships. Mm -hmm. So in either the seventh or in Libra, like you, and a lot of one-on-one relationships, particularly romantic relationships. So in a, not so high vibe way this might mean that you jump from relationship to relationship all the time sometimes like looking for the bigger better brighter shinier object Mm -hmm. but also what angel was saying is that if you can really commit to one relationship jupiter will grow that relationship and you won't have to look anywhere else it will expand and expand and
1: expand and there's really no limit there yeah because that's when you can then drop into the personal growth and personal expansion piece of jupiter you know, because then you're able to grow through your relationships and grow yourself through those relationships, um, you know, not necessarily just like using those people, but, you know, you're able to find a way to like utilize those relationships to understand yourself better and ultimately learn how to be a better partner for the important people in your life. But yeah, because I think, it was you know, to what you were saying and what I mentioned earlier about the laziness You know, if you do just kind of allow yourself to jump from one to the other, I think that becomes almost like a lazy routine because it's just like easy.
0: Right. When it starts to get a little stale, you just find the next relationship. Right. But let's also remember that Libras are the revolutionaries and they're here as arbiters of divine justice. And so Jupiter and Libra also means that you are expansive in the wrongs that you are here to right. Mm -hmm. And then if you really pick up your power as somebody who's here to make big social change, environmental change, bring about equality for all, Jupiter's got your back wherever you go. So you're probably somebody that can go to a protest and you're not going to get arrested. You're going to get put on the front page of the newspaper. (laughs) You know, like when you step into that as a revolutionary, you will be rewarded. Jupiter's there looking after you. That's where your luck comes from.
1: Totally. Jupiter in Libra in the 11th house, if anyone out there has that placement, I would love to hear from you. Yeah,
0: because you're supposed to change the world in a major way.
1: I'd be curious to hear how that works for you. Reach out to us. <laughs> yeah, just this is a, I us just doing like a, a test case. <laughs> so Jupiter in the 8th or Scorpio?
0: and ex- Expansive, limitless well of emotions.
1: Oh, definitely. And libido. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> and I would also say, like, transformation, because remember, Scorpio is the sign of death and rebirth. Mm-hmm. So I would say you're probably somebody like Madonna who can reinvent themselves all the time.
1: Yeah, and really grows through those reinventions of yourself. You're like, um,
0: nope, that was 2018. Right, Sandy. Now it's 2019, Sandy.
1: Yeah, so it'd be really interesting and, you know, we had Jupiter through Scorpio all last year. We talked about that. So, it'd be interesting to hear if anyone had Jupiter in Scorpio and went through that, you know, how did that affect you versus how it affected you, you know, 12, 13 years prior to that? Um, you know, how are you able to see yourself as a completely different person if so, but just in general, yeah, I think it is very much about change and, you know, personally growing through all of that change and allowing it to just like come through you and inspiring others to do the same. And we also
0: talked about Jupiter and Scorpio as expanding the shadow. Yeah. And that the shadow isn't a negative element. It's a vital part of our human experience. Great point. And so I would say that Jupiter and Scorpio or Jupiter in the eighth is a comfort In looking at the darker elements, the more uncomfortable elements of what it means to be human. Maybe you like love crime stories or maybe you're obsessed with serial killers or even, you know, just people that are quote unquote deviant. It's an ability to expand beyond the limited Polarity of right or wrong, good or bad, you're willing to enter into something that might be perceived as negative and to find the
1: light and the healing in it. Yeah. So I think it's important for people who have that placement to, you know, take care as they enter into that relationship with the shadow because, you know, again, it can be too much of a thing and it
0: can, it can overwhelm.
1: Yeah. It can overwhelm you. So I think it's about, you know, going through that process with probably some sort of assistance. But then, yeah, once you get in there, you can really expand your relationship with it, own it, trust it. And then, as Brandon was saying, sort of utilize it to, like, help shine that light for others to connect to and ultimately create their own connection with their shadow. All right. Jupiter in the ninth or Sagittarius. So we've
0: talked a lot about this already because that's where Jupiter comes home. But it's an abundance of truth, an abundance of travel and philosophy
1: and culture. Yeah, and you personally grow through your connection to these things, through allowing yourself to gain greater knowledge, to gain greater truths for yourself. So if you even think about the fact that we are in the midst of a Jupiter and Sagittarius transit, and we have been since last fall, that we are all culturally on some level in this space of trying to... Have a deeper connection to the truths of this world, you know? And how are they affecting our own, like? You know, connection to our personal self. You know, how can we all personally grow through the truths that we're being exposed to collectively?
0: Because I think it's important to differentiate that Gemini is the personal truth Mm -hmm. and Sagittarius is the universal truth. Right. It's what's true for everybody. And it doesn't matter the costume it's wearing, we can see ourselves in all of it. No matter our race or our gender or our orientation or our upbringing or any of those other externals, we are all the same. Mm -hmm. And so we can find that through all these different cultures all these different philosophies all these different life experiences there we are
1: exactly so i think that's why there is this real you know push for people to unify and come together and stop seeing each other you know we we need to celebrate each other's differences but in a way that's respectful and then those who are seeing differences and using it to you know generate fear or or what have you You know, that's an old, outdated way of thinking and being, and I think that's the the conflict you're seeing right now, the the high vibe versus low vibe.
0: Right. High vibe Jupiter and Sagittarius is our differences bring us together. Exactly. Low vibe Jupiter and Sagittarius is our differences make us separate.
1: Yeah, there's too much. (laughs) Our difference, there's too many differences, you know, or yeah, it, it forces me to have to learn too much. And I think the idea is that like, yes, but we should want to learn too much. And ultimately what we get to at the end of it is that we are all the same beings, just trying to have a human experience on this gorgeous earth. And we all deserve to have that, regardless of your beliefs or your backgrounds. And
0: not just the humans, mm-hmm. all the living beings, all
1: the noches
0: of the world and the trees <laughs> and the clouds. Yeah. And the microbacteria in the soil. Oh. All of it. She is out here for the microbacteria people. They have feelings and souls too, okay? I had no idea. They work hard. Oh,
1: they do. They're in everything. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You eat it if you don't wash your lettuce enough. Eat it. Even if you do. Uh, Truth. That's true. Okay, Jupiter and Capricorn are the 10th house.
1: You're a badass, Boss Bee. Yes. (laughs) You're ready to take over the world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's, you know, if we look at Capricorn, it's all about sort of having ambition toward that larger future. So someone with Jupiter in Capricorn or Jupiter in the 10th is someone who, who has like a real abundance of ambition for what they want to accomplish and achieve. I think a Jupiter in the 10th house person is someone who really expands once they connect and trust in the thing they believe to be their life purpose, in this lifetime. And
0: takes responsibility for the size, the scale, and the scope of what they want to achieve.
1: Yeah, and probably, honestly, on some level, have an easier time of figuring out what that is and understanding what their life purpose drive should be. Or at least manifesting it once they do. Exactly. Um So I think if you have that, if you're someone who does have Jupiter in the 10th and you are sort of like, I don't know what it is, you might not just be asking yourself those questions or may have other things in your chart that are ultimately conflicting to that, but... It is your birthright to be able to connect to that and manifest your sort of ultimate career and ambition in a really tangible, strong way and lucky way.
0: Yeah, because Capricorn's the mountain; it's those big structures, so you can build a really big
1: structure, and Jupiter's going to assist you in that. Exactly, and even if you want to work within sort of another structure, you know, that because your drive is is within that, you probably will able will be able to sort of, quote-unquote, climb that corporate ladder uh, much easier than other people would. So, you know, you sort of have that little guardian angel kind of helping you navigate through that whole labyrinth of career. Very 9 to (laughs) 5. What a way to make a living. Uh, All right, Jupiter in the 11th or Aquarius? You were speaking to this earlier. Well, it's my
0: placement. Mm and I have Jupiter in Aquarius in the 11th. And in one way it's seeking the truth for the collective but it's also like an abundance of like group energy an abundance of relationships the 11th house are like your friends it's your chosen family and so i really feel like i do have a lot of abundance and luck like i always have people that are here to support me and that will help me achieve my dreams so that's important for me as somebody with a son in the 12th house and I can isolate to remember that I'm luckiest when I get out into the world and I put myself in a circle or I put myself in a group like Jupiter's there for me when I'm in the presence of other people Mm -hmm. and also when I'm working for the collective because that's Jupiter in Aquarius and Jupiter in the 11th. It's the opposite of Leo. It's not about me. It's about everybody. So when my dreams are not just about me, but they include The wider world, they include more people. I have a lot of success there.
1: I mean, sing it, sister. I'm singing it.
0: (laughs) That was perfect. Anytime I've tried to do something that was like more self serving, it's always been a challenge. And I feel like I hit roadblocks everywhere. But whenever I'm like, hey, everybody, like, let's put on a play, like, Mm. let's do something that's here for everybody, things tend to click along.
1: That's interesting. But when do you feel like you were able to finally become aware of that for yourself? Probably in this moment. (laughs) Well, here comes your success then.
0: And finally, ultimately, last but certainly not least, I mean, what an incredible placement to have Jupiter in the 12th house or Jupiter in Pisces. Yeah. Because this just means that the invisible world, the world of spirit is so alive and so abundant for you and that there's really no bottom there. You never hit a wall. I mean, it's revelation after revelation, synchronicity after synchronicity, your intuition, your psychic gifts are probably the most powerful in the zodiac.
1: Yeah, but I will say that on the, completely agree, but then on that low side of it, you know, the 12th house can be where anxiety lives as well. So if you don't have any sort of connection to like spirit, you know, as a concept for yourself, as something you're living, then you may just be like drumming up a lot of like anxiety and or depression for yourself. So it's important for someone I think who has that Jupiter in the 12th house to really connect to some sort of spiritual sensibility for yourself so that you can then learn to really awaken to the as we were talking about the magic that is available to you
0: and it'll come really quickly yeah So if you're listening to this and you realize that you have Jupiter in Pisces or Jupiter in the 12th and you've never picked up a tarot deck or you've never explored breath work or you've never even thought about like yourself as a witch in the world, I think it would come really quickly to you because that's part of your soul's purpose. Yeah. So it doesn't have to take you 12 years. It could take you 12 minutes and you might be like, oh, fuck, I'm magical as all
1: hell. Yeah. The key to your personal growth is in that 12th house. Is in the invisible world. Exactly. So... And I will say that, you know, you're, if you do have a Jupiter in the 12th house, your anxiety level isn't probably already high. Because at the end of the day, like I mentioned around the first house, there, there is just like a sense of optimism that comes with wherever Jupiter is. So, you know, there is an idea that once you can connect to a core belief in something, that it does help feed that optimism for yourself. So there is always a sense of like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for you.
0: And Pisces are also artists and dreamers. They're mm. visionaries and poets and romantics. Ah. And so you also need to remember that Jupiter in Pisces is wanting to expand, or Jupiter in the 12th is really wanting to expand your ability to you know, drip poetry wherever you go, mm-hmm. to create art that will help to illuminate that which can only be seen through the eyes of spirit.
1: Completely. In general, I would say that wherever Jupiter is in your chart, It is the key to your personal growth. It's the doorway into how to best achieve personal growth, or at least to approach it. All of these are ways to better understand your Jupiter placement and how it works, but I'd say approach it from that place of... How do I grow and be the best version of myself, Jupiter?
0: Yeah, it's the threshold to your expansion. Exactly. So maybe that's the only thing you have in that sign or in that house, and you've never really paid a lot of attention to it because your sun isn't there and your rising isn't there and your moon isn't there. But guess what? That's why your birth chart isn't just those three things. All of these planets are major players. And so your Jupiter might be that hidden doorway that you never walked through. And as soon as you do, you're going to have a much greater sense of who you really are and are supposed to be in this world.
1: Because I think a lot of people pay more attention to Saturn and that that's like the teacher. But Jupiter is just as much a teacher and is actually the nicer teacher who will talk to you after class and like ask you how you're doing. Whereas Saturn is the one who kind of pokes you in the middle of class and tells you to you know stop looking around.
0: And then says if you really need to see him, he's got office hours from 2 to 4 on Tuesdays and Thursdays and that's about it. <laughs> exactly. And there's always a line.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, so get there early. <laughs> Saturn. <laughs> okay, Saturn.
0: We love you Saturn. I know, but we love Jupiter a little more. We love them all equally, says we the Aquarius. We love you.
1: We love you planets. Um but yeah, Jupiter is fantastic and is your friend. So we hope this was
0: helpful. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you you know feel like something doesn't resonate for you, we are always looking to upgrade and expand our own vocabulary. So we want to hear from you. Let us know if this resonated and what way it did. Um, and now just to finish out this episode, you all know I'm going to pull a card for you all. Woohoo! So take a moment, tune in. Feel your butt in your chair your feet on the ground and listen to these cards as they're being shuffled.
1: If you're not in a chair, I'm feeling my butt for you. So generous mm-hmm. oh. and
0: know that this message will resonate for you, no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this podcast. So I have pulled for us the eight of swords and this could not be a more perfect card because the eight of swords is mental expansion it's literally the opportunity to expand beyond your limiting beliefs and self-imposed limitations. I mean... I mean, this could not be more perfect. (laughs) So my favorite depiction of the Eight of Swords is actually in the Wild Unknown Tarot because it's a butterfly trying to emerge from a cocoon and there are swords surrounding it. But what I always tell people is we are looking at this two-dimensional card in a three or technically four-dimensional reality. And so if the butterfly could just wake up to the The fact that it's not two-dimensional it could avoid all those swords by expanding outwards and so the eight of swords is your opportunity to expand outwards and to recognize that the only limitations you have to your expansion are the ones that you have agreed to you have agreed that you are not smart enough connected enough financially stable enough, in the right place, at the right time, those are all stories you have told yourself and you are ready for the expansion that comes from releasing how you've put the glass ceiling over your head. And that's not to say that there aren't external challenges, there will always be external challenges, but your job is to make sure that you aren't getting in your own way, because I find, the more and more I live on this planet Earth, that the thing that really gets in our own way, in terms of our own expansion, is our fucking selves. So tell the truth on
1: yourself. Enough said. It's time to be bigger, people, than you've ever allowed yourself to be. I'm ready. And I'm excited. So we're so happy to be
0: back for Season 2 of The Spiritual Gaze and we hope that you will help us expand the podcast by sharing it with people that you love that you think would enjoy what we're serving up here and also by taking a moment and please rate the podcast or leave us a review these things help so much and we don't want your money we just want you to take that moment and to help us grow the podcast because this is a jupiter and aquarius podcast
1: yes it is and we adore you all so much and It feels so good uh, to see all the little reviews that you have left us already. So thank you all and all of you who have taken the time to rate us, to follow us on Instagram at The Spiritual Gaze or on Twitter at Spiritual Gaze. And I also just want to shout out that if you're interested
0: in learning the tarot from me in person in Los Angeles, July 27th, August 3rd and August 10th. I'm going to be doing my tarot and vino class again. It's gonna be a Saturday brunch situation. And so these are three Saturday classes that will teach you everything you need to know about the tarot. It comes with food and wine, or if you're not drinking, like I'm not, then it comes with coffee or tea or juice, delicious brunch bites. You get your own deck of the Wild Unknown Tarot. And we don't just talk about the tarot, we do go into astrology, and it's really about how to live your life more intuitively. So if you have more questions or you have interest in that, please reach out to us. It's a great class. I
1: have taken. I took the first one, and it was super fun.
0: Yeah, and this is happening at like a beautiful outdoor-indoor restaurant in Hollywood, and it's like super, it's very Venusian. Like, we're going to take real good care of you, girl. It's lavish.
1: <laughs> All right. Fabulous. Uh, Well, we need to offer a big thank you to our neighbor, Carl. For As all of always. His, for all of his lovely production work. So thank you, Carl. Thank you, Carl. And of course, to Justin Simeon for his interstitial beats. Yes. It's season two, but the music ain't changing, girl. Don't, no, it don't need to. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Thank you. And a big thank you to all of you gazers. Yeah, we adore you all. We love when you... Uh, just even slide into our DMs and ask us questions or just offer lovely words of uh, encouragement and insight. So please feel free to continue to do the same. This is a community, people. We are here to connect with you all. It's a virtual village. Hells yeah.
0: So until next time, this has been your transit through the the Spiritual Game.